everyone, and welcome to EduMatch. Thank you so much for joining us. We are doing the very last EduMatch official show of the year. Now, if you want to get in on the very last EduMatch event of the year, then that, my friends, is the EduSnap 18 launch party going on December 30th at 6 p.m. So EduMatch, no, I'm sorry, events.edumatch.org forward slash EduSnap 18. So be sure to get in on that just announced. But tonight, Tonight, we are ending with a bang. So with us, we have a familiar face. So we have a, Irene here with her amazing class. Uh, so I'm going to actually kick it over to Irene and let her take it from here. Thanks, Sarah. So um, I'm Irene. I'm at Loyola University, Maryland as a lecturer. And tonight, I am blessed to have my class, my ET660 class, which is Innovative Digital Schools. And um there are with us tonight are some ed tech and curriculum and instruction uh, graduate students, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves as we lead into innovation and deeper learning and education. Let's go, Whitney first. Hi, my name is Whitney. I teach fifth grade, and um, I'm really excited to be here tonight. And I'm excited to talk all about learning and technology and learning. Awesome, thank you, Whitney. All right, Tom, you're up. Hi, I'm uh, Thomas Long. I'm an administrator at a high school, and uh, I'm here to talk about how to infuse technology into the classroom and to make it make um, technology work for our students. Awesome. Thank you, Tom. All right, Rachel, you're up. Hi, I'm Rachel, and um, I'm an elementary school special education teacher, and um looking to find some ideas about how I can service my kids in um, a more realistic way using technology because I know that motivates them and it's something they're gonna need in their future. Awesome, thank you, Rachel. All right, Leslie, you're next. Hi, I'm Leslie, I teach first grade um, and I'm super excited to be here to give more information about how to integrate technology in the primary level as well. Thank you, Leslie. All right, Kristen. Hi, I'm Kristen. I'm a third grade teacher in an elementary school. I'm super stoked to talk about innovative technology tonight. Thank you, Kristen. Kimberly, you're next. Hi, I'm Kimberly, and I teach sixth grade math, and I'm in the EdTech program at Loyola and excited to talk more tonight. Thank you, Kimberly. All right, Christy. Hi, I'm Christy. I teach second grade and I'm looking forward to talking about deeper learning and technology infusion. Awesome. And last but not least, Charmaine. Hi, everyone. My name is Charmaine. I teach third grade and I'm excited to hear about other innovative tools. Awesome. So we're going to kick it off with the first question. Um, and so we'll just let anyone jump in when um you want. Um, what does deeper learning look like in K-12 schools? So I think deeper learning looks like um, a lot like students are collaborating and working um, and working well together. But then I also think that um, there's a time for students to learn the knowledge and skills and then they're applying those knowledge and skills to work with others and um, have deep conversations and innovate and create, um, but then using what they learn to do those types of things. I agree with Whitney. I feel like it's really important for the kids to be able to master these skills, but in order to master these skills, there are lots of things that you can do in order to help them uh, learn in an innovative way, 
with collaborating with their peers, being able to communicate with their peers is a big skill that they're going to need to use uh, throughout their life. And it's something important that they're going to need to use um, now as they are learning how to integrate this technology. I think it's also important for teachers to be able to understand how they can infuse it in a regular um, setting and be able to teach them how they should use it. Because a lot of them don't know how to use the technology yet. And that's an important part with the teachers being able to teach these kids how they can use the technology to better support their learning. Um, what I'm just thinking about is some schools that don't have access to um, technology. I feel like it's really important for a lot of my students um, who might have some more problems understanding learning. It's really important for them and me to explain to them like kind of the why, like why we're learning about something. What's the connection for them um, to know why they have to learn something? What What's the use for them outside the classroom? So a lot of times I try to unpack that when I'm going over, you know, why we're doing something they don't want to do. And I think that's important. I think that kind of leads to what I was going to say, Rachel, is that that real world connection is having that to where they would see it in real life or in the future is really digging deep into their learning rather than just knowing the skills but how they would apply it. And um, some ways that people um, are applying it, there are some teachers who are doing this through project-based learning and they're able to um, provide the real world learning experiences. Awesome, Charmaine to kind of set us up nicely for question two, because it's time already. Um, what is the most, in this class, um, are the students got a chance, sorry, my cat is acting crazy, got a chance to uh, look at very, a lot of different innovative technologies. So what is the most innovative technology currently being used in K-12 schools, and why do you think it's the most? Some of the biggest tools are those that allow students or students to connect outside of their classroom. So in our school, we've gone to one-to-one -to -one devices and now students have the technology, but they don't always know what to use or to do with it. But the power of it are, are things like Flipgrid and uh, um, ePals and these different platforms that allow students to connect with students from around the world and, and to uh, enlarge their own community. Uh, to piggyback on what Tom was saying kind of about Flipgrid, I've been researching it throughout my project in this class um, and I think it's a really powerful tool. I've been talking a lot about how my class, um, I want to connect them to others beyond just our classroom and Flipgrid and GridPals connecting students to another student around the world. Um, I would really love to try that out with my students. I think it's super innovative. It kind of flattens the walls of our classrooms. Um, and I'm really inspired after this class to try it out with my third graders. There's a tool um, called Padlet that my school actually used this quarter to um, connect with other schools outside um, of Maryland. And we participated in a global read aloud and teachers were able to use um, a group on Facebook to connect with other teachers who were also reading that book with their class. And we use Padlet to have the students actually collaborate and communicate with each other. Some of this, what I'm gonna say, um, can ap apply to technology, but we also talked about makerspaces. And again, I just think of some schools that might not have access to all the digital learning that in our cohort we have access to, such as one-to-one -one devices, or, or even, I don't know, some, some districts may not even have a 
a classroom computer. I felt like a makerspace was a really awesome way to have like a hands-on experience um, for the students, especially again, like my students who need a lot of multi-sensory um, outputs. Um, and then we also did infuse in our class um, using technology within the makerspace by using things like Ozobots or Makey Makey and having that connect to the curriculum. Awesome. So let's move in beyond the tools and the specific programs into um, the innovative educators, innovative ideas. Rachel kind of set us up talking about makerspaces a little bit. Um, and so name an innovative educator or an innovative idea or an innovative school that inspires you the most and include why they inspire you. There's an article uh, by Shelley Wright, but this idea has uh, been you know bandied around a lot very recently is putting um, uh, Bloom's taxonomy on its head. And uh, when you're going for your teaching degree and everybody learns about Bloom's taxonomy and how you, know, you have to start with recall and move all the way up to creativity, but I think our schools have kind of been trapped by Bloom's taxonomy. And I think while struggling students, they need to do the basics before they ever get to the creativity and the analysis and that type of thing. I think it's important that we start putting that on its head and saying, let's use creativity as a way to engage students. And yes, they need some of the remedial uh, uh, things in that taxonomy, but that doesn't mean we have to wait till they till they grasp everything that's that's a building block to get there. We really need to start with the creativity and then uh, uh, let students use that as an inroads to getting the other type of things that they may need. Uh, after reading this book, awesome book that we had in our class with different schools for a different world, I found it was a great tool for us to learn about um, different schools that are implementing new things in the in the classroom or just different schools around the world that are implementing different things that will help students kind of reach the deeper learning. Um, one of the schools in particular that I did find that was awesome um, is ed expeditionary learning education. Um, when they talked about it in the seventh chapter about the alternatives of what kinds of schools there are out there, they discuss how expeditionary learning schools have made so much growth and that they're showing that kids who are in these programs are making such success with their school because of the new ways that they are learning and different ways of accessing information and allowing these children to be able to be more involved and have more excitement in their learning and they want to keep doing it and they're enjoying their learning and that's what's improving their scores in math and reading. Um, from the chapter, they discussed how after only three years of being implemented, they had seen growth of seven extra months for reading and 10 extra months for math. And that's huge. It's a huge thing to achieve from just starting a new program for only three years. And I learned a lot too from doing this project for this class that it's very similar to project-based learning and it's more engaging for the kids and they find it more interesting to be able to have more authenticity with what they're learning and have more voice in what they can be learning and choosing what kinds of things they, they want to learn about. You are listening to EduMatch. My name is Sam Fessich, the author of EduMagic. Are you a future teacher or a student teacher? 
then you need to add EduMagic, a guide for pre-service teachers, to your must-read list. EduMagic provides practical advice, tips, and strategies to help you become an educator of excellence while in college. Teaching doesn't begin when you cross the stage of graduation. It begins Monday morning, 8 a.m. during your first college class. So join me and let's learn how we become educators of excellence with a little bit of EduMagic. Buy it on Amazon today. Thank you for learning and growing with EduMatch. So we're going to move on to our fourth question. So if you're doing our slow chat, we are we do have Twitter. It's a little bit slower than us, and that's okay. Um, how does innovative uh, innovative technology, so we've talked about a lot of different technology in schools and uh, people that are doing innovative tech, and how does it support deeper learning? I think innovative technology allows students to use um, use um, the skills and the content that they've learned um, to create and to kind of what I mentioned earlier, to create um, and to have deeper conversations and more meaningful um, moments and more meaningful conversations with each other. Um, I think the technologies just allow, and it, it expands, people mentioned this earlier, but expands the walls of the classroom and um, broadens um, a lot of their perspective. Yeah, I think it brings it globally too. So like maybe using Skype or some kind of things to talk within other classrooms throughout the world um, kind of makes it more realistic for students and, and allows them to kind of connect and have that communication skill, which they'll need in future jobs as well. I think the access to information is important in research. Uh, in a traditional school, when students are locked to a textbook, they're kind of recalling what they learn and they have a limited source of information. This is technology and we've just gone to the one-to-one -one devices this year, gives students the ability to find their own information and to synthesize it. They're working on you know, being creative with information and they're learning uh, how to deal with the information explosion that most adults don't even deal well with, the amount of information that we have. So I think it's important that the, the student, the biggest transformation for me is the students being able to find their own information rather than being given information and having to use that information. I think that building on pretty much what everyone's already said, all those things are part of critical thinking skills that the students have to um, kind of get on by themselves. And that ties to deeper, deeper learning, which ties to also technology when you come into things like coding and project-based learning, tying all those things together, the students need to be able to think critically. Like Tom just said, they have to find these sources. They have to, you know, do all these different things and they have to be critical thinkers and solve problems. And that ties into every subject that we teach, no matter what grade it is. Valerie over in uh, the YouTube chat has um, said that her answer to our fourth question, um, which was how does innovation, innovative technology support deeper learning, um, is that tech allows students to travel beyond the four walls and their teachers bias and limited info. Um, very similar to kind of what Tom was saying. And so I wanna open up a road question to these students. So um, just to let everyone know, they kind of got the questions before so they could prep a little bit. Um, I'd like to know y'all's thoughts on how do you see educators bias limiting innovation and deeper learning? Um, I think some come in with prior experiences and trying something new can be really intimidating. Um, so trying something that um, maybe, if even especially if you've heard that someone else maybe has not had the best experience with something, 
or maybe someone has um, had a failure, then that can make you um, nervous to try it yourself and um, nervous that it might not work in your own classroom. I kind of agree with Whitney. I think that there are a lot of teachers out there who are kind of afraid to take a risk maybe to try something new and innovative. Um, and maybe there are a lot of teachers out there who are kind of stuck in the old ways. And um, like I said, they may have heard something from someone that didn't go well or they're just afraid to try something new. Um, so I think like the more we reach out on social media and PLNs and share what we're doing, maybe more people will um, join in the change. The reason why I went back to get this master's is to change things and to look at, at new options. And now in the position I am, I think that's one of my main things is to get teachers who have been teaching a while to try new things. And I, um, I think it needs to start small and it needs to be practical. It can't be seen as something that's just added to their, their workload that they already have, but something that, hey, and you know, just spend that little effort up front, but in the long run, it's gonna make things a lot easier. It's gonna be a, a, a huge benefit for your students. So I think it's, it's kind of um, uh, how you sell it or how you, uh, how you get that teacher buy-in that's important. I think this conversation could go on <laughs> all night. Um, but I think if there's no culture or a failure or risk, then it won't thrive. And so when we start talking about the teacher's bias and that the growth, and um, a lot of people know now about the growth mindset, I think we also need to look at the culture of growth in a school and in a setting to see if it's, if it's alive, if it's, you know, if we're allowed to be, if we're supported in that growth. That's kind of my thoughts. Um, so we are wrapping up. I was looking to see if there are any more comments uh, from viewers and I don't see anything. Sarah, do you see anything? No, I don't. But this this was an awesome, awesome conversation. So yeah. thank you so much, Irene. And thank you so much to everyone on panel. Loved hearing your insight. And um, and that was that was great. I'm going to Irene. Is there anything else you wanted to say before we wrap? Well, I wanted to thank um, my students that came tonight. Um, and I did post their handle. So if you want to contact them, they do, they have a lot of knowledge. Um, like Valerie was saying, oh, I need to get that book. Um, we use that book and they know a lot of things and they've done a lot of innovative tech. So if you have questions about um, any of it, you can more the reach more, you can reach out to them anytime via Twitter. Awesome. Well, I definitely want to reiterate that. Thank you so much uh, to all the panelists. Thank you, Irene, for uh, for facilitating this amazing conversation. And please come back anytime. All of you are welcome here on EduMatch. We'd love to learn from and with you. So also wanted to give a huge shout out to Valerie. Thanks so much for joining us and for chiming in on the YouTube live. Um, wanted to give a shout out to my Past the Scope EDU family. So on Periscope, this Thursday, sign up, sign up, sign up. The sign up sheet is available, passescopeedu.com. So definitely check that out. Great community of educators using Periscope to share our stories. Um, so just awesomeness, love it. So definitely check that out. Also wanted to give a few more shout outs before we officially close Tweet and Talk uh, for 2018. So shout out to um, the EduSnap community. So EduSnap 18 is now available for pre-order on Kindle. It will also be available as a paperback and also as a free PDF. So check out Amazon if you want the Kindle or the paperback. And if you want the free PDF, then um, then definitely check out our site, edumatch.org. The book will be launched on the 31st of the month, the very last day of 2018. So you're going to get like that full snapshot of education from January to December 
right there in their book. So check that out. Um, we are going to have a launch party the day before, so the 30th. So the same time as Tweet and Talk, which is 6 p.m., our normal time, 6 p.m. on Sunday. So we're going to have our launch party, but it's not going to be out here on YouTube Live. You have to RSVP because it's special. So we have the link. If you go to events.edumatch.org forward slash edusnap18, then you can sign up for the exclusive guest list. Um, speaking of the exclusive guest list, Go to events.edumatch.org forward slash ISTE19 to get in on our Saturday night karaoke. There are a limited number of slots available. As well as Sunday, we will be meeting at Rose's Pizza. Y'all might remember from the last ISTE in Philly, Rose's Pizza is amazing. Um, you put in a dollar and they will donate a slice of pizza to the homeless. So that's why we're doing it there. So be sure to get there early, 12 to 2. That's Sunday. RSVP so we can tell them how many pizzas to have ready for us. We are going to spring for the first 10. And then after that, if you're tardy to the party, it's on you. But definitely please pay it forward. Uh, if you get some of that free pizza, uh, please donate. Uh, even if you don't get some of the free pizza, please donate to the homeless. Um, and also wanted to give a shout out to um, two more books in our pre-order queue. So we have Daddy's Favorites by Alyssa Frazier. The very first Edumatch children book about um, coming from the lens of a five-year-old named Jill, whose brother, Danny, he's seven years old, um, and he is an exceptional child in many, many ways. He has autism. So the story is coming from Jill's perspective. She's talking about her talented, dynamic brother um, and kind of just talking about her lens, like seeing exactly how to navigate the family dynamics and also level up leadership by Brian Kulak. So if you are a Nintendo fan like I am, you know, game game fan, gamer, then this book is for you. It talks about leadership through the lens of gaming. So definitely check that out. So I wanted to thank everyone um, and have a great rest of your 2018. Edge match. It's edge match.